You're listening to Contains Moderate Peril, an independent podcast about gaming, movies, and popular culture. Written and presented by Roger Edwards. Hello, and welcome to the Contains Moderate Peril podcast, episode number 185. I'm Roger, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host, Brian. Hello, everybody. This week, we shall be talking about MMOs, a perennial favourite topic on this podcast. We have had many a discussion over the years about the MMORPG genre. It's interesting. It's a very sort of evolutionary subject, and I'm sure our thoughts and opinions have probably changed somewhat over the years. So, without further ado, let us address the subject in hand, which is the MMORPG genre. Okay, to begin with, Brian, you've been threatening to do this for a couple of weeks now. You've actually returned to Star Wars The Old Republic. How are you finding it? Uh, we just did an entire episode about my return to Lord of the Rings Online, didn't we? We did indeed. And then at some point, either in the podcast itself or in our chit-chat afterwards, we dropped, um, we planted a seed about Star Wars because I'm doing that Star Wars watching all of the TV and movies in order thing yeah. still, which is going great. Love it. The animated series is amazing, by the way. Really liking how it fills in all the holes. So two days after that recording that podcast, I'm just like, well, I downloaded it. I still haven't even logged in. Let me just log in and poke around. So I did. And then I learned the lesson that you taught me in Lord of the Rings Online. Oh, my God. I have no idea what's happening in this game because I haven't been in it for like four or five years. Literally four or five years, I think it was. Let me just roll a new character. So I rolled a Sith warrior of all things completely against everything that I do in MMOs. It's a melee class. I always play ranged. It's Sith, you know, it's, I usually would play Republic, but I'm just like, what the heck? Dude, I am max level. I am blowing through this game. I play it before work. I play it after work. I play it on my days off. I played <laughs> it before this podcast recording. I will be playing it as soon as we're done. It is so much fun. Obviously, after such a, a gap, I mean, I think both of us returned to the game shortly after it transitioned to free-to-play. And obviously, we were playing the game quite heavily during its launch in late 2010. When we last were playing the free-to-play iteration of the game, it was one of those situations where... Bioware weren't particularly generous with what they gave you. And it was out of all the game MMOs that are gone free to play, it was possibly the most mean-spirited. Effectively, you had to subscribe to unlock so many features. I and mean, if you didn't subscribe, you couldn't really play the game adequately. Is that still the case, or have they made some substantial changes? So, they're... Some of it's the same, and then some of it, they, I feel like they're more generous. If you subscribe for one month, so pay the 15 bucks and then unsubscribe, you get permanently the entire game with every single expansion up to that point. I feel like that's pretty generous, actually. Um, because I think they used to charge for expansions, and I'm pretty sure you and I both bought some. Yes. Yeah, the Rise of the Hut Cartel, I know we bought. Shadow of Revan, I think is I bought too. Yes, I bought at least two. Yeah, so, so no, no more of that. You can just subscribe for a month, get rid of that. But then you have like, you know, you can only have a million credits as a preferred player or what have you. So there's a lot of lockouts that make it tough to play. You can spin the, the cartel coins in their shop and remove a lot of those limitations by spending money. So you're going to spend money. Like I, I've subscribed 
because I'm having so much fun and it just made it easier to have access to all of my characters, et cetera, et cetera. But they still need to make money. And I'm, I figure I'm getting my $15 worth easily at this point. So it's kind of a mix. It, it's still a lot of those weird limitations. Um, they, they really push the store pretty hard, but they're giving you everything for free. If you just spend $15, that's not bad. I mean, not for free, but for 15 bucks, you know, what were we paying for per expansion? It was more. One of the things that always struck me about Star Wars, the old Republic was it had one foot in modernity and one foot in old school MMOs. One of the things that always struck me about it was they're a bit like Lotro, an excess of skills. And then if you created a new character, it took a substantial amount of time to level up, unlock things as you were going. Are those aspects of the game altered in any way? Have they been refined, polished, streamlined, whatever the phrase is? I mean, how are you finding leveling and how are you finding the amount of skills that you have to rely on? The amount of skills is kind of overwhelming still. I actually have, I think, almost two full quick bars full of skills that I have never pressed the entire time. <laughs> Um, one of the reasons I chose Sith Warrior is because I remembered how many buttons there were in a lot of the rotations. And as I have aged, I just can't do that anymore. So I need, every game I play, I need a more simplified rotation. Maybe maybe five or six buttons that I can press and, and learn the rotation and done. And this particular class allows you to do that. It has a ton more buttons. I just don't need them. I mean, I'm I'm blowing through this game. Um, I am right now. So I play. I've played the base game, Rise of the Hut Cartel, Shadow of Revan, and I'm in the middle of Knights of the Fallen Empire. Okay, I still have Knights of the Eternal Throne onslaught, and then Legacy of the Sith. The new expansion is dropping on the fifteenth this month. So I'm kind of in the middle. I have been level seventy five since Shadow of Revan. And all I'm doing is the, the, the class quests and the main story quests. I'm not doing any of the side stuff. So the leveling feels like it's blazing fast compared to what it used to be. So fast. And the gearing has been great. I have no problems getting gear. Um, the gearing has changed. Do you remember how you used to get all those um, kind of gold outlined or yellow outline gear um and it would kind of grow with you and all that yes you could out components so your armor was to an extent just a shell and then you could same as your yeah. weapon and you could and i always liked that i always liked that system because it meant that if you had a particular weapon or gear that behaved in a certain way or buffed you in a certain way or just looked cool you could hang on to it to me it was the system that they should have always had in lotro so they, they still have that system. It's called adaptive armor. And I still like it. But the interesting thing is I have not swapped a single component yet other than the um, crystals that I unlocked in the store. Because I keep getting better gear that ha like that is already pre-assembled. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I had this whole bank full of gear that was all of this like Uber stuff. And that's what, like they changed it to just normal stuff, which is okay. It's just funny. I had saved all of this stuff, and I still have it, but it's different. Um, but what I remembered the most about the game, and I was leery about playing it, was I thought Star Wars was kind of hard. I struggled with that game. I played a, a, the Smuggler class, and then I played a Bounty Hunter, which was easier. And I just... You know, so you're out there and there's mobs in the world and they had the ones with a star next to them, next to their name, which meant they were kind of extra hard. Yeah. And I would die to those all the time. Or I, and everything was in groups still. Everything's in groups. So you go out there and there's like four stormtroopers you have to kill, not just one. And sometimes I would die in those situations. Dude, I think I've died three times this entire time I've been playing. That's it. I am smoking through this game it is crazy easier 
I don't know if they just made it easier. I don't know if I, um, I can't be over leveled. Everything scales now, the whole game. So, you know, I've been level 75, but it'll scale me down to level, you know, 20 if I'm on Alderaan, if that's the level, if that makes sense. But it's kind of fun. Um, also, I have made so much in-game currency, it's not even funny. That used to be a struggle. Do you remember that? Yes, I can remember when the game launched, one, there was one skill called slicing. I have it, yep. And for about the first couple of months, there was an imbalance in the game and people made a fortune slicing and then Bioware nerfed it. And guess who suddenly moved over to slicing just as they nerfed it? Me. So I can remember from our 10 days, you had a stack of credits in the game and I had nothing. It's funny because they it's still nerfed, and I think they nerfed it even further somewhere along the line. So I picked slicing as my only crew skill this time, just to have something. Mm-hmm. And I've been leveling it up as I go along, just to fight, find stuff in the world. Just because you're picking up in the world. That appeals to me, right? So in the process of playing this game, they let you... Uh, or they make you through these solo flashpoints. So it's a solo dungeon, solo group content. And they give you this little combat droid that helps you out, okay? And you always have your little companion that helps you out. And in the course of doing the, um, the solo flashpoints as part of the main story, I had the amazing items drop. Like they have gold portraits around them and stuff. They were a massive upgrade from whatever I had. And I sold two of them on the auction house, and, and I have like 140 million credits now. <laughs> just from selling those two things. Like, I had about five or six million just from leveling. Now I feel like I'm rich. And by the way, I'm not even close to rich in the game. There are multi-billionaires that have been playing all 10 years. 10th anniversary this year. People have been playing this entire time and they have so much money they don't know what to do with. Let me tell you one of the things I think you're going to like about this game. There were a lot of pain points when the game first came out. Do you remember the companions? Yes. So do you remember how they gave you one companion at the beginning and then you had to gear them up and you had to talk to them and, and increase your reputation and all of this crap, right? And and you had a, like, I think my first companion was a Wookiee and he was a tank. And then eventually I got a healer companion and I had a DPS companion. So that was the way the game was set up. Now you still have companions. They still level up with you. The gear is irrelevant. They get no stats whatsoever from the gear. It's just from whatever level they are which is a huge improvement. And every single companion in the game that I have earned so far, you can just tick a box and go, I want you to be a healer right now, and they become a healer. I want you to be a tank right now, they become a tank. Just like that. So much better. That, that alone is, is one of the reasons I'm still playing the game. It's so much better and more fun. I think I will. Probably download the game and log in. I mean, I've got quite a few characters, but I think I would take exactly the same approach as you did. I'd just roll a new one from scratch and um, see how the game feels now. You you kind of have to follow the story in order. So it's going to take you from planet to planet to planet, um, and you're going to over-level it. And what I found is that it will cap you at about five levels above the content. Mm-hmm. So you're still overpowered. It, it was not hard to do. In, I remember certain planets and certain quests that were super hard that I struggled with. And I, have, I blew through all of that no problem. And I am not a good player. So I don't think it's me. I think it's the game. I think the game is actually easier. Or... I just picked this weird overpowered class, and I, I'm pretty positive I Because Bounty Hunter seems to be the one that everybody says, you'll face roll the content. And I'm not a Bounty Hunter. I'm just a stupid melee thing with a lightsaber. So I, th- I think you can still be OP. 
one of the cool things about being level 75 in level 40 content was I had all the level 75 buttons to press, right? Mm-hmm. That I wouldn't have had back in that old level. They, they let you keep your skills. So that alone makes you overpowered, even if they pare everything down. It's, it's kind of fun. It's actually kind of fun right now. I will say, though, I hit Knights of the Fallen Empire, and I don't know if you remember that or not. Um, they all of a sudden took the game and made it into a graphic novel. So there's chapters, and it's it's very on real story, and I, it's like putting the brakes on right now. It is terrible. I cannot wait to get past this stupid expansion. Is it a game that you're playing reactively? I, you know, you log in, some content comes up, and you just do it, or is it a game that you've actually sat down and decided a plan? I want to achieve this. I want to be able to do this. What approach are you taking? So the my first goal was to hit level seventy five, which I did way earlier than I thought, because that's the current level cap. That'll change in February fifteenth, I think. The the second goal was to get through all of the expansions before the 15th, right? So I can start on the current content. I think I'm on pace to do that. I'm not sure. Um, do you remember that you had a legacy? Something called a legacy. And you, yes. had a fam- like you had a family name. And you had all of this stuff you could unlock. So everything you do on one character can count for another character. So I had done stuff on my bounty hunter and on my smuggler and unlocked some things that I was able to use on this new character, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it just made things better and easier. And so all that crap I did all those years ago, and I, I apparently played the heck out of that game way more than I remember playing it because I, I'm deep into it. And so all of that is still benefiting me um, they have this thing where if you play all eight classes to level 50 and get through the three chapters of the class story, it's just kind of a like you, you get some title and all this. And I'm three into that. I'm three out of eight, and I'm kind of in the back of my mind thinking maybe long term, I would like to see all of the class stories because they're all different. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what's driving me. It, it's, it's more of uh, seeing the game at least once, and then I can see it on multiple characters if I want. And then each expansion has, you know, the sideways stuff. So once once you max out in Knights of the Fallen Empire expansion, they have this, I have this, um, this base, and I can build up my base and earn reputation and all of that if I want to. But I'm leveling so fast, I haven't even touched any of that stuff. It's interesting, this urge to return to MMOs that you've spent a considerable amount of time in in the past, because another one that's on my list at the moment of potential MMOs to return to is Guild Wars 2, because we have the third expansion coming up. I believe it's getting released End of Dragons on the 28th of February, and I'm It's been a long time since I've played Guild Wars 2, and my departure from the game was not a happy one, shall we say. No, I remember that. Both you and I, Brian, played the beta of um, Guild Wars 2. We enjoyed it. When the game launched in August 2012, we got straight into it. We really were enamored of it we it's a game that lent itself to you could jump into the world and quickly find something to do particularly with the dynamic content i can remember us both working hard to get the sort of the the title that you get when you've actually visited the whole of the landmass and unlocked everything oh yes and then in 2015 they released heart of thorns and to me, it contradicted 
the game that was already in place. You were funneled towards this new zone. There was content that was locked that you had to do group content to unlock. There was this three-dimensional verticality added to it. There were skills like gliding and and jumping that you needed to unlock by navigating an exceedingly difficult environment. Mm-hmm. To me, it was just such a massive left-hand turn, you know, the, from the direction that I thought the game was traveling in. And, and it, I just put it down to the fact that this will be fine for some people. Some people will love this. I dislike it. And I can remember just switching off, uninstalling the client. I think I've popped back a couple of times. I think I popped back and checked out the game in about 2017, 2018, after Path of Fire, the second expansion, got Mm -hmm. released. And again, it was people were saying, well, you can do the new content. You can go straight to the zones in Path of Fire. And it's like, yeah, but do I need the skills that were unlocked from doing Heart of Thorns? And then people said, oh, you might have hobbled yourself. So it's like, so, yeah, so I'm still... Oh, you have to do it, yeah. Yeah, and I don't want to do it because I didn't like what it wanted me to do. And that is the main question that I have overshadowing my return to Guild Wars 2. Can I go straight back in and do stuff now, or or is the is the game still pretty much the same as it has been? And I will have to address the content of Heart of Thorns, or I will have gimped myself. I remember being so turned off by that expansion that I still or did learn the gliding stuff or any of it. I think mm-hmm. you were telling me about you. Because you were doing it, and I was doing probably playing Star Trek at the time, right? And then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, yeah, and, and it's not great. And we probably talked about it on a podcast or two. And I never did get there because I'm like, why in the hell do I want to glide if I could just fly in every other game? You know? Like, this just seems stupid. And, and it verticality of everything. I'm just like, I don't want this. I believe I have returned to... Guild Wars 2 more recently than you. It was maybe three years ago. Here's what turned me off when I I got in the, uh, the base world and I was running around and then I dipped my toe into Heart of Thorn. I'm like, okay, whatever. And I did a little bit of it and it was blah. But do you remember the living story? Yes. So every so often they would bring out another chapter of the living story and you would claim it and play it and all of that. So it turns out, if you weren't claiming the living story all along for free, now you have to pay for it. Each one. Just to play it. So I log into the game, you know, it was two or three years ago, and I've got all this living story up in the corner of the screen, and it's like, pay to unlock this one, pay to unlock this one, pay to unlock this one. I could play all the stuff from the original game that we unlocked, you know, what, eight years ago, seven, whatever it was. And I'm just like, well, that's kind of bullshit. So I, I uninstall the game. Yeah, that does leave a somewhat an unpleasant taste in the mouth when stuff that you think, you surely I've, I've legitimately claimed that before, or I should still have it. It, it. it never plays well when stuff is sort of taken away or previously free stuff is gated yeah whenever i think of guild wars 2 i think of the events because i i never really did play, pay much attention to story in guild wars 2 i, I wasn't yes, that fussed about the, the the main narrative in fact sometimes i i found the story confusing what i mainly liked doing was logging into the game and doing events there'd be the dragon timers, wouldn't there? And it'd be like, oh, right. Oh, if I yeah. just... And you'd go and take down one of these huge dragons and it would be a, a huge sort of group of about 30, 40, sometimes 50 players. And it was enjoyable. There was always something that you could do to get a quick fix. Um, I also remember when we used to sort of go and do the, um, the Queensdale champion train. Oh, yes. Yeah. I can actually understand why the developers then 
changed it because they didn't want huge amounts of level cap players moving around. Zerking the, the countryside. This is the problem, I think, with MMOs, isn't it? You, you, you become very selective about what you choose to remember. And I have a horrible suspicion that I will download the Guild Wars 2 client, log in, and then the first day or day and a half that I play, I'm trawling through all the crap that's in my inventory saying, what is this? Why do I need it? Um, this is when you need someone who's been playing the game continuously. And they can give you advice as to what's relevant and what isn't. Yeah. And then I've got a horrible suspicion that I'm going to end up bouncing around and then suddenly finding that there hasn't been this radical overhaul and it is just going to be pretty much business as usual. Guild Wars 2 is a funny uh, animal for me because it's, it's so well done and I think it's such high quality overall. I love the art direction, right? I, I like the way some of the classes play. I like the fluid combat. That was, you know, once I caught on to all of that, I really enjoyed it. I like the story. Um, I don't pay much attention to it, but I like that there is a story. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, like I, I just, they, there was a lot of love put into that game, but it just never clicked with me. Like, it just, it just, it's kind of flat. It's like blah. Like, I'm playing it, and I'm enjoying it, but whatever. And when you, you know, I, I, I voluntarily left the game, and it's okay, and I wasn't there to claim those things, but it just kind of sucks. It's like, oh, yeah, you, you didn't stick around, so we're going to make you pay for this stuff. And I'm just kind of like, okay, I guess that's fair, but it kind of sucks because, no, I'll just play what I can do for free, right? That, that that was my big sticking point. And I, I, I thought when I went back, I was like, maybe I'll earn one of those, what are they, legendary weapons, you know, all, all those people had. Remember that thing where you could, you know, you can go through all this crap and get those uber weapons that people had and all that. And I thought, that'd be fun to figure out. Then I was like, nah, not even worth it. So I, it is on my list to play again. However... <laughs> If I have to go through Heart of Thorns, then I probably won't make it. I'm going to briefly touch upon the Lord of the Rings online, not going to dwell on it too much, because obviously we previously did a podcast, spent a whole hour discussing the game. I've been finishing up the last expansion, Fate of Gundabad, and I'm, I've played through most of the new sub-zones in the overall region of Gundabad. I got a little bit tired of some of the smaller regional quest hubs that would send you out just to kill X amount of these guys and go and collect some of those. I got a bit bored because not every quest is always um, got an in-depth story. So I just thought I'll finish off the central story. That is exceedingly good. Um, there was a great deal of concern that when the game moved outside of the established canonical story of, of the Lord of the Rings, is there was this big question mark as to whether Standing Stone Games would be able to maintain a good standard of their own original narrative. And I think they've done exceptionally well. The Black Book of Mordor, which was the first sort of main story that they did after the game went beyond the Lord of the Rings, was, was very, very good. And Fate of Gundabad is also very, very, very well written. There's particularly towards the last couple of chapters of the book, there's some quite major plot twists that were quite 
well conceived and, and certainly that, that they've just got the law spot on. They they draw on established characters and they flesh out some of the gaps in a narrative with their own sort of conjectured storyline and it's 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 very, very, very good. But I still think and stand by the comments that I made in the last show, Brian, and that is although it's nice that Lotro has got an established and fairly stable player base and is still putting out content. It does seem to be stuck in a rut where it it doesn't seem to be able to stray outside the boundaries that it set itself. And therefore you will just get a new zone, a story in the zone, a new rep in the zone, new gear that will be associated with the zone, and then that's your content, and then later on in the year, rinse and repeat. And it just does concern me that you're not seeing any sort of innovation or anything that's radically new. It's just more of the same, which is fine for some people. Some people are quite content with that, but I am, I'm getting a little bit tired of it, which is why once I finished the Gundabad storyline, that's it, I'll hang up my spurs and depart Lotro and leave it for two or three months or so before I consider returning. What about yourself? So I just want to reassure everybody who listened to that last podcast about Lord of the Rings Online that I am still just as excited to be playing that game as it appeared in the podcast. And I realize I have just spoken glowingly about Star Wars because I'm taking a little bit of a detour. I do plan on completing my journey in Lotro exactly as I said I would. It's just going to take a little longer. Um, One thing I've learned is that I can only really play one game at a time. I've tried to do multiple MMOs and it just doesn't work. And for whatever reason, like I said, we planted this seed. And I let it grow a little bit, and I'm going to ride this one out until I lose interest. And then um, I will be playing that same Lord of the Rings character that I rolled, because I'm really enjoying it, actually, learning the game again. And I want to get to the point where I'm seeing the new story that I've never seen. Um, I do think what you're saying about hanging up your spurs for a while might be the smart move. Because I think if you force yourself to stay in a game that you're not really enjoying, you end up becoming disenfranchised with it. And then maybe even wanting to quit it permanently, which is um, never a good thing. You know what I mean? So I, I like, I'm coming back to Lotro after how many years? And I have all of this stuff to do, don't I? I'm coming back to Star Wars after many years. And I have all of this content in front of me that's new and shiny to me. And so it's working in my favor. So I think you doing that is going to work in your favor too, hopefully. It is something that I tend to do. I think a lot of people do. I could keep myself busy, literally just being a completionist and going back through all the various sub-zones in Gundabad and doing every single quest, doing the repeatables, making sure that some of the, the, the minor rep factions I max out. But I tend not to do that. I, I hate to say it, but I take a very transactional approach to my gameplay. If I'm going to max out a reputation faction, I look down at the list of what you can buy with the barter currency. And if it's, if it's stuff that I don't think is relevant, and a lot of the time it's cosmetics or housing items, it's just like, well, I don't feel the need to grind for that. That's not a tangible reward. So where in the past I would diligently clear all content now it's a question of yeah i'll get back to it as and when i want to do it yeah you know so i'm noticing in all of these mmos that we play and talk about that so you have an you know you have a base game and then they develop an expansion then another expansion and 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 like you said they kind of cookie cutter a lot of them don't they each game has its own version of the cookie cutter for every expansion and then they have their own version of the cookie cutter for the time between expansions because they, they fill it in with little bits of content, little dips and drabs of content and whatever. And if you come, you know, if, you, if I'm playing like four or five years worth of catch up on Star Wars, 
I am not maxing out my Rise of the Hut cartel stuff. Because I'm already level 75, which is the yeah. current expansion. Why on earth am I going to waste my time with all of this stuff that they put in to keep everybody occupied for, for two years while they, they develop the expansion if I'm just going to blow through that? So unless it's got something like cosmetic that I really want, and I have learned over the years, mounts and pets and, and all of that stuff, it's just, it's skins, it's who cares? I, I, I've stopped caring about that stuff. That's that's the weakness of coming back, in my opinion. But I like I'm on such a drive to see all of the content Lord of the Rings on all of the content in Old Republic that that's what should me. You know, once I get to the end, am I going to stick around? I don't know. Probably not, because I could just bow out for a year or two and have a new expansion and move right along, right? Because I'm already yep. soon as soon as the new expansion hits, all that gear you've wasted, all that time getting is irrelevant because the first quest gives you something and it's really better. You you're, you're in raid and uber gear awesomeness, and then some green item drops, right? And it's like, oh yeah, that's three hundred percent better. Okay, cool. Next thing you know, you're just wearing all the shit from the new expansion, all this gear that you get right at the beginning, and it completely outlevels anything that you've earned. Or you can do my trick of you wait until the new expansion drops and then you buy loot boxes. <laughs> you literally spend 30 or $40 on loot boxes and get yourself the best gear that you can get out of loot boxes. And that's it. You're set. There you go. <laughs> Which could argue mitigates part of the uh, experience of playing the Lord of the Rings online. But you know, it is what it is. So moving on from Lotro, whenever I've got a gap in my MMO gaming schedule, if I'm not playing Lotro or Star Trek Online, I will be playing Elder Scrolls. There's usually at least three months of the year when I'm playing the Elder Scrolls. Usually it's associated around the expansion that they release. But sometimes I will return to the game prior to an expansion. I'm at that point now where I'm winding down Lotro. I actually updated the game client for Elder Scrolls the other day, updated my add-ons, which is always a hellish experience, logging into the game. Oh, loads of broken. But mercifully, that doesn't happen so much now. I, I try and keep them up to date, and I use uh, Minion as an as a add-on manager. At the moment, the... I've very nearly finished leveling my one of my companions. I, I favoured one of my companions from the last expansion more than the other one. So um, when I return to the game, there is a, an outstanding sort of chore to be done there that will give me something to do while I then figure out what my long-term goals are. I, I'm very keen to sort of um, check out the armoury um, feature that was added um, with update 32 how you can effectively hot swap between multiple builds and it will change everything it will change your gear your skills your point allocation and you can do it really swiftly and promptly to me that sounds like a very very good feature i know lots of people that have um Numerous characters with numerous builds that they like to experiment with, depending on what they're doing. I'm just curious just to see how it, how it works, because I must admit, I don't tend to be quite as sophisticated a player as that. But um, I've also noticed that the armory system links into the game's monetization, like you can buy slots. So okay. one or two slots is fine for people like me but for more high-end players they're probably going to want half a dozen or more which means spending a fair amount of your in-game currency but you know that's the nature of mmos they 
they need to earn a crust one way or t'other. But this is the problem that I always have with Elder Scrolls. I've got loads of content in there, so I certainly won't be bored. The content scales, so it's not as if I'm going to be playing through old content that gives me substandard rewards. I like the, um, the stories that I've played through. In fact, on one character, I'm trying to play through the content in chronological order because I've found that it does actually make a little bit more sense. The game has sensible amounts of skills. It's not like Lotro where you're just confronted with a, a huge grid of skills, most of which you will never touch. You get to, you get to determine what skills you're going to be using, and you, you know, they give you a sensible amount of about six or so. There is so much about Elder Scrolls Online, which is about for, of what, you've, what you call in the past, Brian, frictionless gameplay. You know, quality of life things. I certainly like having a, a companion. It means that you can attempt now the public dungeons and you've got a fighting chance. You don't have to be dependent on other players or joining a guild. It is a game that is very accessible. If you just want to quickly jump in for 30 minutes, you can go and farm some dolmens or, you know, there's always events going on. Yet despite all this wealth of positive attributes, I still find it difficult to muster a great deal of enthusiasm. I, I always feel when I'm playing Elder Scrolls Online, I always feel that this is good. Why aren't I liking it more? Sounds like Guild Wars 2 to me. Oops. Very similar, right? This is good. Why don't we like it more? To, to me, I, Elder Scrolls is a great game, and the last I played it, there was an expansion, I don't remember the name of the area, but it had something to do with dragons. A couple years back, three years back, maybe? Right, elsewhere. Thank you. So that would be the last I've played it. Um, I played it a lot. I, I like the game, but I'm not in love with the game. Uh, probably one I would like to return to. I have to say, uh, of all of the MMOs that we've talked about, Elder Scrolls is the one that runs the worst on my computer. And mm -hmm. that's part of me not wanting to play it. I just never have any long-term goals in that game other than leveling up. And that doesn't, that's not good enough, right? Like, like if you're, like my goal is to hit max level and that's fine. And then it's like, then what? In, in Elder Scrolls, I can't figure out what the then what is for me. Again, there's so much that I like. I like some of the mounts that I've got. I just think they look mm -hmm. cool. I like some of the cosmetic items I've got and the fact that they're accessible across all the characters. And also you can use your cosmetic gear that you've unlocked on your companions. Yes. Uh, which is quite useful. I just think that despite all these good attributes in the game, it just should excite and delight me more. Maybe it's the subscription that bugs me a little bit because like Star Wars The Old Republic, you really do need to subscribe to unlock everything that you need to unlock in Elder Scrolls. So may I ask, you're talking about these companions? Yes. When did that start? Because that appeals to me greatly. Last year, the last, ah. last expansion. Okay, the thing that's making Star Wars for me is that I have this pocket healer with me. <laughs> and I can do all of this this stuff and not have to worry about potions and crap like that. It just yeah. it just makes everything easier. And I've always liked pet classes. In every game that I play, if there's a pet class, that's what I want to play usually. And having a companion is just like having a pet that's around all the time. It's great. So maybe I do need to stick my nose into Elder Scrolls Online if that is now the case. That sounds amazing. Yes, with, with the last expansion, they um, introduced two bespoke companions. They are designed primarily to 
play one particular class, but you can give them different gear and unlock different skills for them. So if you want your companion to basically just follow you around with a restoration stuff and maybe a bow, they will do that and they will heal you and provide you with support. They are very flexible. They're well-written characters with their own little backstory and they've proven so popular that in the forthcoming um, expansion that will be coming out July, I think, this year, there will be two more companions. So effectively, you're going to have a spectrum of companions that you can gear up and assign roles according to how you play, which I think is great. So can you access these earlier in the game, or is this only once you hit a certain Like, if I roll a new character, can I have a companion right away, or do I have to wait until I'm, like, level 80? Uh, no, you don't have to wait until your level cap. I think you can access them quite quickly. Oh, okay. Now I'm interested in Elder Scrolls all of a sudden. Yeah, it's the same way as if you roll a new character in Elder Scrolls, you've got access instantly to all the champion points that you've unlocked on your previous characters. Ah, okay. I have that. It's that mentality of, oh, well done, you're running an alt. And I didn't mention this, by the way, yeah, in Star Wars, that's one of the things that's keeping me going, too. You have the legacy, you have renown. Every time you kill something, you get, like, four or five different types of points. It's very satisfying to know that this kill can help my next character or my last one. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the, I think more games are going this way. You, you, they are rewarding you for staying in the game, even if you're not playing the same character all the time. And I think that's a positive for us. Well, I shall return to Elder Scrolls, and I will see if I can impose some structure on my gameplay, set myself some goals, and see how I feel. What I've found in the past is what I need to do is just immerse myself in it. If I'm playing Elder Scrolls, focus on it, pay attention to the story, keep an eye on what I'm doing. I mean, there's, I did that for a while last year um, because of the expansion, and then I, I unlocked the companions and started leveling them. I also actually found a house that I bought purely because it provided quick travel to one of the best cities in the game. Oh, nice. Now, if you, you know, I mainly, I didn't even bother furnishing it. You can go inside this house and it is empty. It's just stone floors. But I use quick travel because it then gets you straight back to, uh, I believe it was um, Daggerfall. Oh, okay. Uh, so then instantly you could you don't even have to return to the inside of the house you can return to outside the house so you then pour into the street and you can just run straight into the vendors repair sell your gear or go straight to the traders if you need to actually buy something specific so it was quite a good idea to do this so yeah i i shall return to elder scrolls shortly and play some more through the story and see if i can sort of build a sort of head of steam and some enthusiasm for it. This is quite interesting because we were just talking about how we like MMOs where you unlock content and then if you roll an alt, you then benefit from the fact that you've played previous characters to level cap and so forth and such like. Because I want to move on now, Brian, to Star Trek Online, which I believe has taken this sort of ideology to its apex. If you, if well, if I now log into Star Trek Online and create a new Federation, Romulan, Klingon, whatever character, because I've got nine alts at level cap and I've played through a lot of stuff, I instantly get 
unlocks that they've unlocked. So I can go to a reclaim panel and get space gear, ground gear. I can unlock ships that I've, uh, that I've previously earned. The game now allows you to start playing tier six ships immediately, and they scale with you and the various different consoles and weapon slots unlock as you level. Um, because there have been events in the past like the Delta Recruit events or the um, Temporal Agents events or the Klingon Recruit event, if you create a new character, you, as you pr progress through the story, you can go to this vendor and get rewards that unlock because you've already played those stories on other alts. You can have a massive leg up now for any new character in Star Trek Online if you've cleared content previously. They've also recently changed it so there's cross-faction access to ships. Oh! Yeah. Oh! I can have a Federation officer fly around my beloved Carpy Carp Klingon yep. carrier ship that I love so much in that game because I can power slide in it and it has Oh my god, seriously. Also, they introduced, not well, a couple of years ago now, something called Endeavors, which are daily quests, daily missions that you do. And they are fairly straightforward. They will say, go to the, um, the, the um, Dyson Sphere, go to the, um, the Adventure Zone there, and kill 30 Voth soldiers. And if you do these um, dailies, you unlock points, and then every so often you can spend the points on buffs and boosts that are account-wide unlocks. Wow. So one of them is you can basically just increase your, um, uh, your critical hits and your critical severity. So if you do these daily endeavors after about a year, you've suddenly increased your critical severity and your critical hits by possibly 10-15%, something like that. And then if you roll a new character, they will benefit from that immediately. Wow. Critic really have gone all in on this idea of rewarding you and encouraging you to, to roll new alts. Because that has always been the big issue with games, isn't it? Do you want to play through content that you've done already? Friction, right? That's a yeah. huge friction point with a lot of players. And there are still games that don't reward you in many ways. Something else about Star Trek, which I'm sure you'll be pleased to hear, it used to be that if you got to the maximum reputation faction, if you maxed out all your reputation factions, you could craft a token to, give, to send to an alt that yes. would then reduce the cost of rep by 50%. Yep, I did that. You don't have to do that. Now, if you've maxed out a reputation, by default, all subsequent alts now automatically only get charged 50%. You don't have to mess around. Nice. They've just streamlined it. They've, they've taken out the event tab, put it in a different place in the UI now. So events are a big thing. And that is both a, bless a blessing and a bit of a pain because... Yes, we've had two years where COVID has interrupted a, many games' development. Cryptic have managed to put out task force operations, and they regularly put out new ones where you, you've got a, 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 a little story mission that requires you to pug with five other players, overcome some objectives, and then you get rewards at the end of it and you can access these very easy through a particular tab in the game they seem to focus more on this now we don't get as much story content you know uh, full-blown episodes i can remember a time during the height of the iconian war story yeah. arc and it it was like you were getting a new episode every quarter so it did, you didn't have to wait that long to get the next episode of the story. And that really, really has slowed up at the moment, which is a little bit frustrating. However, because now Kate Mulgrew's the latest person contributing their voice to Star Trek Online, 
they have redone the whole of the Delta arc oh. to in it now. So if you did replay the Delta arc, you would now find that it's slightly different because Captain Janeway's in it. And therefore, she will be the main sort of focal point. Maybe not necessarily Tuvok or Seven of Nine, etc. So they've done that several times. Um, there are several classic missions now where you revisit them and you go, oh, hang on, the quest bestower is now Geordie LaForge. Oh, that's cool. So it, it, it does sort of renew things slightly. Does it, uh, how are the, like you had the fleet star bases and all that, did they ever add any more to that or is it all still just the same as it was? Uh, yes, you've got, the, you've got the colony now. There is a colony world. Oh. Um, that offers a great deal of benefits. Yeah, it's, I would say if you, because your thing was, wasn't it, that you were doing, you were running your fleet solo. I have a solo fleet and I was building a star base and trying to get it to, what is, oh God, this is going way back. I think there were five levels you could build your star base up to. Mm -hmm. And in looking at it, I thought I could eventually get to level three myself without too much pain. And then it got really hard. I don't know if it, it, it could be manageable now. Because not only have you got the star base, you've got the Delivium mine, yeah. Yeah, you've got the Dyson Sphere, you've got a, a research place in the Delta Quadrant, you've now got the Colony World. Um, when Agents of, of Yesterday came out, I believe there's also a fleet base that's in a 23rd century. Tossier oh. Space Station, which is really cool. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's ma manageable now. And if you're playing Star Trek in line and you're not in a fleet and you haven't got access to a fleet, as in you put out a request and someone gives you an invite so you can actually buy fleet-related gear, you are hobbling yourself quite seriously. So, and, and it's been a long time since i played. As I, I recall, it was actually pulled my federation character out of my own um, guild or whatever they're called and i i went a fleet i went into the reddit fleet yes and i think and i had my klingon in the reddit fleet um house of snoo i think it was called yeah and of course they're both not in there anymore because they kick you out after a while of inactivity but you're right i, I did that specifically on my main character that i cared about the most to have access to all of the gear, and I sure did. It was great. And carrier um, carrier pets for the uh, starships and stuff like that. Yes, yes, indeed, getting the yes. better one. They changed some of the rules relating to fleets, and now quite a lot of people have got the administrative permissions to do invites, etc. So if you ever do find yourself playing again, let me know and I can get you into the fleet. I must admit, I, I think one of the best things about Star Trek Online is it's a, an MMO based around an IP and a license, and they use that license very, very well. Yes. I've even got duty officers that are characters from Star Trek's Lower Decks. Really? Yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so if it's Star Trek, they get it into the game. They they do. Sometimes it it does require you from a from a law perspective to do cartwheels and gymnastics to try and accommodate it, as it were. But they do, and it's great having voice actors, your favourite voice actors, still doing their characters in the game. So it was brilliant seeing Captain Janeway appear for this anniversary event and the fact that they've revised of the whole the whole of the Delta Quadrant story arc has now been revised so her character is front and central but you know Cryptic Brian they yes. give with one hand and they break with the other yes it used to be you'd play through some of the Cardassian true way story arcs and they would just have a generic Cardassian character in it and now, since um, the Victory is Life expansion, they've got Garak from Deep Space Nine, voiced by Andy Robinson. Brilliant. Only thing oh. is, sometimes when you play through that story arc, 
you get both characters speaking simultaneously. You get the non-character reading the, the narrative at the same time over him. You've got, and it's like, did you not take the old one out? Why is this broken in this way? You haven't done your quality assurance properly. And that's just typical cryptic, isn't it? They sort of yeah. come up with a good idea, they implement it, and yet something gets broken in the process. Star Trek Online has my favorite bug that I like to use as an example of bad development. So before the the map of the galaxy, they, they made it so it you didn't have to phase through all the time. Yeah. Um, so now it's big, but before it was very small sections. So you had to go to a point and then you would appear on the next map and then you could keep going and you had to, had, there was a loading screen, right? And there was a bug in the game for a long time where on some of those areas where you would phase through from one map to the next, your starship would come out the other side, but it would be facing where you came from. It was backwards. <laughs> Which doesn't sound like much, except to get going, you actually had to do a U-turn to keep going the direction you were already heading. And it didn't happen at every single one. It just happened at a few. And they never, they knew about it, but they wouldn't fix it because it wasn't a game-breaking bug or a bug that prevents people from logging in. Those are the ones they focus on, right? Yes. But it's a great example of a bug that wasted thousands of players' time and, and put, put a friction point, as I like to say, into the game. And so even though it wasn't a mission-critical bug, it was a bug that hundreds and thousands of players every single day and even every single hour they were playing the game was encountering. And they wouldn't fix it. And it just drove me nuts. And I'm hoping it's fixed now because it was really irritating. Cryptic are still cryptic. So they recently yeah. had a bug where opening um, a reward pack crashed the game. So they fixed oh, it within hours. Quite right so. I was walking around my ship the other day because it's um, a legendary ship. And um, it's got a, all the interior is done in the original series um, right. style. So, of course, it's nice to walk around it. And I walked into one area and there was a whole wall missing and you could just see the stars outside. So I then walked up to it, fell through the floor. Oh, God. Fell for about five minutes continuously. Couldn't stop it. And then all of a sudden I just materialized back on my bridge as if nothing had happened. That's bizarre. And that's probably... Well, that is uh, cryptic right there. Yeah. yeah. So I'm hoping that now maybe we're through the, the worst of the pandemic. I'm hoping that maybe cryptic's development schedule gets back on track and we get more narrative episodic stories because I must admit that the latest one, and it's only two episodes in, so there's, it's still in its you know, infancy, the latest new storyline is a Terran mirror universe one, and I always like those. Yeah. Uh, it was, we, we knew that um, Captain Janeway was going to be in it because they sort of prepped us for it, and then on the day of the anniversary event going live, there was lots of tweets basically giving it away. I won't ruin it for people who haven't played the latest episode, but from a lore point of view, a character turns up, you just think, holy shit, forgotten all about them. That's interesting. What you, where are you going to go with this? And also there is the question of who is, the, who is the current Terran Empire emperor? And a lot of people have been theorizing that it's someone big and that's a major feather in, you know, Cryptic's cat. They've, they've obviously secured one of the major voice artists that they haven't had up until now. And there's not many of those left. The way that the game is now, it's the best that it's ever been. Still has flaws, but from a sort of cohesive MMO package, it's the best that Star Trek Online has been. And as a new player, you have several storylines and, and major story arcs that are, I, I don't know how to describe them. They just feel very Trek. Yeah.
I think that's a good place to wrap up this podcast. It's a big subject, MMOs. We could talk about it for hours and hours and hours, but um, rather than do that, we we like to leave quite a lot of things unsaid. So you, the listener, if you if you want to raise any points, do feel free to um, share your comments with us. We'll be back in a week's time with another episode of Contains Moderate Peril. In the meantime, thanks very much indeed for listening. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. You've been listening to Contains Moderate Peril. For more information, visit ContainsModeratePeril.com and follow us on Twitter at Moderate Peril.